from the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. To Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. And Magic Johnson is out there celebrating! Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe, from way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron, for three for the win, yes! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. Yes! It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and uh, this is just going to be a real quick short episode, a solo pod where I'm going to break down just a few of my notes that I had from game one of the NBA finals from Tuesday night, a convincing Suns victory to take a one nothing series lead. And uh, the the first thing that I had was that, uh, you know, when, when Phoenix had the basketball, Milwaukee was defending uh, the Bucks went to a lot of switching defense in that uh, first quarter. And, uh, you know, you saw the likes of Brooke Lopez switched on to Chris Paul at times. And, and Paul was was getting decent looks, just uh, didn't have it going early on. And, and that kind of convinced Milwaukee, I think, to keep up the, the switching scheme for most of the of that first half. But uh, you know, eventually Phoenix kind of started to, to figure things out, especially in that third quarter. Chris Paul really got going. He's such a good isolation basketball player, in part due to his uh, experience with the Houston Rockets for those couple of years where he did they, uh, they ran a ton of pick and roll. Teams were forced to switch given the talent that that Rockets team had, and, and Paul really had a tremendous isolation season. We saw it at times with Oklahoma City and in that series last year against the Rockets where he was able to uh, to torch guys like uh, Robert Covington and and uh, Stephen Adams at times. But, uh, yeah, the, the Bucs are not going to be able to get away with, with the switching defense, I don't think, especially with particular personnel on the floor. You know, Paul is going to be able to torch – Brooke Lopez, he's going to be able to dribble between his legs, kind of just get that rhythm, get into his shot. Lopez is worried about getting too close because he'll just surrender an easy blow by. Uh, so, so that's not a, a, a great option for Milwaukee. And then he also was able to, uh, you know, beat like a guy like Bobby Portis, who came in for Lopez at times off the Bucks bench. He, uh, he hit a couple of shots over him, also was able to uh, get around him on a drive and finish with a little finger roll with the right hand. And, you know, Paul even went at uh, Pat Connaughton a, a couple of possessions there and, uh, and got to his looks. So that's one big issue when you talk about the switching schemes. It's one thing for the Clippers when they've got Beverly and Terrence Mann and Paul George is kind of the guys you have to attack. That's a lot harder. But for Milwaukee, you know, they're going to have somebody like a Lopez, a Connaughton, a Forbes, a Portis. You know, they're going to have one of those guys on the floor pretty much the entire game. So there's always a weak link that uh, 
that Phoenix can go at. And then, you know, in that second half after Paul and, and, and Booker at times were taking advantage of the switches, then the Bucks went back to their conservative drop back scheme. And of course, this is where Devin Booker and Chris Paul are at their best, snaking those pick and rolls, getting to those 15 foot jumpers and, and knocking those in fairly consistently. That's why, you know, this offense was a top 10 offense in the NBA borderline top five is because those two guys are so good at the shots that generally you're, you're pretty okay with conceding, but they make those shots at it at a, a level that is untenable for a, for a defense to be successful. So Milwaukee having some, some major issues defensively, and they've got a lot of things to figure out. Uh, we, we did see in the second half, the, the Bucks go with uh, really Giannis as their center and really go small. Again, though, the, uh, the Suns were able to take advantage of DeAndre Ayton on the rolls at times when the Bucks didn't switch. And, uh, you know, they also still have a guy like Pat Connaughton or Forbes to or a Jeff Teague to attack with those small ball units. So not sure that the small ball is going to be that effective and, and switching for Milwaukee is going to be that effective. But, you know, the one positive I saw in this game for the Bucks was that that those small ball lineups with Giannis at the five, Forbes out there, Middleton, Holiday, and Connaughton, those lineups really looked much better offensively. We've seen at various stages throughout this uh, this postseason run for the Bucks that their big three of of Giannis, Middleton, and and Holiday, those guys have not really been able to have good stretches where all three of them are playing well at the same time. But we got a little bit of that. It looked like with the extra spacing out there that all three of those guys were relatively comfortable on the offensive end. So that'll be something that uh, that Bud will have to look towards moving forward is lineups that uh, that can at least get it done on one end of the floor. Uh, because through about three quarters of this game, the, the Bucks were getting beaten pretty handily on, on both sides of the basketball. The other issue with the Bucks for switching, you know, in, in the last series, you can switch a, a Lopez onto a, a hobbled Trey Young who is not able to blow past him and finish at the rim because of that, uh, that ankle foot injury that Young was dealing with. But also, you know, they, they, that Hawks team had Clint Capella who was not really a guy that could take advantage of switches inside, whereas DeAndre Ayton is a completely different animal. You switch a small onto him, and he got uh, P.J. Tucker onto him at times. He got some other the, the Bucks perimeter guys switched onto him, and he was able to feast a little bit inside. You know, he, he, he did miss a couple of, uh, of short little jump hooks in this game, but in general, I think that's also a decent option. That was as Paul was struggling in the first quarter, feeding it into Aiton and getting him going a little bit against switches uh, helped keep Phoenix in that game early on. So Phoenix has plenty of answers, I, I think, on both ends of the floor. The 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 other positive for Milwaukee outside of those small ball lineups offensively was just how good Yadis looked in this game. He was, uh, you know, moving fluidly. He uh, he had an unbelievable chase down block on Mikhail Bridges in uh, in this ball game, where he, he looked a bit like LeBron James and uh, showed that athleticism. 
he did seem to at one point early in the third maybe tweak the knee but uh you know didn't seem to be too hobbled uh, for for too long and and was able to play i think upwards of 35 minutes in that game one but uh, absolutely uh, sensational for for Giannis to after a week from that devastating hyperextension of the knee to, to be back looking this good. He he's uh, he's kind of the the new version of LeBron James in terms of that just super athlete durability recovery from injuries. I mean, it's I don't know if there's anybody else in the NBA that uh, could have suffered that bad of an injury and been back looking this good just one week later. So uh, props to Giannis. And that is a, that is a good, good sign for Bucks fans moving forward. But, you know, I picked Suns in six heading into this series and I was leaning closer to Suns in five than Suns in seven. Uh, And, you know, that really uh, looked to be a good call watching game one because the Bucks didn't seem to have a lot of answers for, for Phoenix. And, you know, you talk about Giannis being pretty healthy. Well, the the other thing I liked about the Suns in this matchup was that they had pretty decent matchups for him. You know, they're able to potentially throw a DeAndre Ayton on him, who's one of the few guys that has the size and athleticism to, you know, not stop Giannis, but slow him down, keep him from just bulldozing to the rim over and over again, even though he, he still was able to do that on Ayton a couple of times in this game. But, you know, they've also got Jay Crowder, who last year with Miami did a fantastic job of uh, of walling up, bodying up. And, uh, you know, if if Giannis gets right under the rim, committing hard fouls that aren't flagrants, that, that forces him to make free throws and limits his efficiency to a certain extent. But, you know, you've also got Torrey Craig on this team. Mikael Bridges in a pinch, you know, late in the shot clock and do an OK job. Even Cam Johnson. At times, he got a stop on a, on a Giannis post-up, also nearly got a, a jump ball, but he doesn't seem to be completely afraid, and, and he's going to stick his nose in there and, and not let Giannis just uh, completely go straight to the rim. So the Suns have a lot of guys. They've got a lot of fouls that they can uh, they can uh, commit against Giannis, and the, the Greek Freaks free throws uh, continue to be a problem for this Bucks offense. But yeah, there's... There, there's a lot of issues. You know, Devin Booker didn't even have the the, the best game uh, that uh, that he's capable of having. But Chris Paul was was absolutely sensational after that slow start. Uh, I uh, I think he's on track to to be an early my early pick for Finals MVP. I mean, the way he's orchestrating things for this team, the way he seems to be even over Booker at this point, the go-to guy in isolation situations for for the Phoenix Suns, and uh, he obviously does such a good job of uh, of keeping Aiton involved throughout the entirety of the ball game. You know, uh, a few other notes I had here. Uh, the Suns showed a little bit of a, a 2-1-2 zone in the second quarter. Now, Monty Williams, as uh, you know, a pretty intelligent coach, that might have just been a situation where he throws it for a few possessions just to uh, keep a team off balance, to show them a different look, also maybe to thwart a potential after timeout play call from from Bud to try to stop uh, that from happening. Of course, Bud, I think one of his greatest strengths as a coach is uh, setting up plays out of those uh, commercial breaks. So uh, we saw a little bit of that, but mostly it was man-to-man from Phoenix on the night. And, uh, 
you know, an, another thing you, you got to mention after watching this game one is uh, Dario Sarge going down with what looked like a pretty bad right knee injury. He, uh, he had the ball, was driving with his right hand, went to, uh, you know, do a two-foot jump stop, and his right knee looked to have buckled a little bit on that jump stop. Similar injury that I actually suffered where I tore my meniscus on a play, very similar to that, where there was no contact and you just felt something off when you landed. Uh, I don't know exactly what happens there. That could be a, a combination of fatigue and then also just not landing uh, you know, completely straight up and down where your, your knee is fully supported there. So that is an issue moving forward. We saw a little bit of Frank Kaminsky, but what uh, what Monty did in the second half, which is what I, I think he should do moving forward with that backup center spot if Sarge is unable to go, is to just go small and play the, the Crowder and Torrey Craig 4-5 combination. You know, you've still got some bulk in there. You're, you're obviously lacking height, but you've got two guys that are sturdy, strong players. And, you know, you, uh, you're not sacrificing a ton defensively, even though, yeah, you're, you're losing a little bit of rim protection, but uh, it makes your lineups a little bit switchier. And also offensively, you can get up and down the floor and you've got good cutters and, and five guys that are capable of hitting threes. So uh, I expect that to be what, uh, what Williams goes with moving forward. Yeah. If, if Sarge's injury is, uh, is serious. The, the interesting thing as well of watching that first quarter was both teams kind of, uh, you know, playing up tempo and you, you saw at times where the, uh, the initial matchup for Phoenix defending Milwaukee was having Deandre Ayton on, uh, on Giannis, which put Jay Crowder at times on Brooke Lopez and Lopez did did a really nice job, especially on uh, possessions where Crowder was was either shooting or he was up above the arc at the end of the possession, where Lopez would then leak in transition and get an early post up opportunity. Those are going to have to be the things, especially you know if if they're playing lineups with no Forbes and you've got Lopez, Giannis, and Tucker. Those lineups just do not have enough spacing. So for those lineups in particular. Yeah, they're going to have to figure out ways to just eke out enough offense. And you you do that through offensive rebounds, you know, getting the 50-50 balls, playing fast in transition before the defense is set. And, yes, taking advantage of cross matches and, uh, you know, run that. That's the advantage of running the floor quickly. You force, uh, you know, those those cross matches. Lopez got a couple of opportunities so those are the things the Bucks are going to have to do. Figure out ways when their their floor spacing is not ideal to just stay afloat offensively. And then I think Bud is going to have to prioritize more of those offensive lineups and try to outscore this Suns team because I just I I don't think uh, they're uh, they're going to be able to to win this series in the way they won that net series where. They just grind the series down by that game three of uh, of Bucks Nets and and win eighty four to eighty something like that. Uh, the the Suns team is just uh, is is too good offensively. The the Clippers were able to to uh, you know limit the Suns offensively, but I think the Clippers just had much better switching personnel uh, and and guys that really were great at getting over ball screens. 
in that uh, that pick and roll action. So uh, the the Bucks are an excellent basketball team, but I've as as I've watched the these entire playoffs, it's it's really to me it's felt like the Western Conference was played at a higher intensity level, a higher quality, and the Bucks kind of just scraped through the Eastern Conference, and and of course the Suns the Suns took advantage of of injury luck as well. But they still beat LeBron James, who played every game of that first round series. They they still beat a uh, a Denver Nuggets team with the MVP of the NBA. They still beat the uh, the Los Angeles Clippers, who despite uh, you know a team that despite not having Kawhi Leonard, still had a a, a really talented roster. So. It's it's going to be tough. I'm I'm honestly leaning closer now to my uh, Suns in five prediction. I think it's going to be really difficult for Milwaukee. One of the things defensively that they're going to have to figure out is, you know, they, they tried both the switching and the drop back. Neither worked. They're going to have to figure out maybe and maybe the adjustment defensively is we just have to do one of those two defenses and just execute it better, whether that's playing the drop back system and bringing in more help to make it so that uh, you're, you're forcing the likes of Jay Crowder and Mikhail Bridges to just beat you from three and say, okay, what's, what's the better odds of us winning four games in this series? Like Chris Paul and Devin Booker getting 10 to 15 open mid range jumpers or, you know, forcing the likes of, of Bridges and Crowder to hit a bunch of a corner or above the break threes. I would force those uh, those role players to to hit shots because, you know, Devin Booker and Chris Paul are all stars. They're all NBA level players for a reason, uh, expecting them to, to really struggle when you're giving them the shots that they frankly want. Uh, I think that's a fool's errand. So I expect that to be a, a big adjustment on the defensive end. And yeah, I, I would hope that Bud saw what I saw in that uh, in the latter stages of the fourth quarter where they went with Giannis at the five, they went with more shooting and, you know, that got their best players going a little bit. And, you know, as, as great athletically as Giannis looked, this certainly wasn't his most dominant offensive game that we've seen from him in these playoffs. He can be a lot better. So that would be another thing that uh, you hope as a Bucks fan that uh, Giannis steadily improves as the uh, as the series goes on just wanted to quickly mention here at the end that uh, over the next couple of weeks I'm going to have a friend of the program on to discuss the upcoming NBA draft we're going to talk our uh, prospects our big boards all of that fun stuff so stay tuned for that uh, I also plan on at least doing the first half of game 4 which is uh, next Wednesday of the NBA Finals for League Pass Radio. That'll be my final League Pass Radio of the uh, 2020-2021 season. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what I've got in store for you for the next couple of weeks, but that'll do it for this episode of Duncan Dynasty. Again, if you, if you can, please uh, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Really appreciate it. And... Uh, Enjoy the uh, enjoy the finals. This is the best time of the year for basketball fans and uh, have a great rest of your day.